says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. And I will have what it says I can have. Today. Today. I will hear the word of God. I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare. I boldly declare. That my mind is alert. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. I will never be the same. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word. We believe it's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And Father, we thank you that your word changes, it, it transforms, it renews. And I pray today that what I just prayed will activate in our lives. As I step back, as we step back, Holy Spirit, step up so that everything that is said and done will minister to God's people and most of all, bring glory to God. Lord, thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following the word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Well, we are in our fourth and final week of our Survivor Series. If you've enjoyed it so far, can you give the Lord a hand clap? And uh, if you're visiting for the very first time, this is when we use our Sunday morning services to actually split our groups. Our 9 o'clock services have been for our married couples and our 11 o'clock service uh, has been for our singles. And this allows me to minister to everybody in a unique way. Basically what it does, it, it allows me to provide individual counseling in a group setting. Amen. Now our theme this year has been uncensored. And what that means is sometimes I will say things without a filter on it. In other words, I'm not going to set up what I'm going to say. Sometimes you just have to be blunt and say some things. Amen. So last week, our topic for our married group was appreciating your spouse's differences. And if you didn't get a chance to hear that, I want to recommend that you go to our website and listen to it. And uh, I believe it will bless your life. And so the focus of the lesson that we talked about on last week was that God uh, made you and your spouse different. And it was meant to compliment you and not agitate you. Amen. Amen. And so... Uh, this week, my topic, I believe, affects every married couple. I sent out what I'm going to do. And, and I believe that this topic, if you will grab hold of it, will help uh, not only bless your family, but stabilize it for generations to come. So if you're taking notes, my title is How to Make Sound Decisions. How to Make Sound Decisions. And the purpose of the lesson is to provide couples with a template and deliberating process to making sound, godly decisions. And you say, well, Pastor Evan, why are you teaching something like this? Here is why. Because I'm tired of seeing couples make poor decisions that not only affect their lives, but affect their children's lives. I also believe that you have to teach people from God's word on how their lives ought to be or they won't know. And so even though, here's the thing. All of us in this room, we're making decisions, but the question is, are we making sound decisions? So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find 1 Kings chapter 17. Uh, we're going to look in verse 1. 
1 Kings 17, 1. And then I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 14, verses 28. That was 1 Kings 17, verses 1. And then Luke chapter 14, verses 28. And uh, as you find that most couples, the only way that they know whether or not they are making good or bad decisions is at the end of the decision. And most of us need to know what type of decision it is before we get to the end. And unfortunately, when decisions was not, if it wasn't a sound one, then most of us are going to have to endure or suffer through the consequences. Amen. However, I believe today if your hearts are open, then you're going to discover some proven principles. Say proven principles. And if you're single, you're going to learn something from it. Some proven principles on how to make your life better through decision making. Now, I'm going to give you a take-home statement. Everybody say take-home statement. I'm going to give you a take-home statement that I want to weave throughout the lesson this morning. And as my wife jumps in and out, I want you to write down this take-home statement. Here it is. Spirit-led decisions produce spirit-fed provisions. I'm going to say that again. Spirit-led decisions produce spirit-fed provisions. Amen. Uh, turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17. Now, this is a story about Elijah. I'm not going to uh, elaborate too much. I'm just going to read here. It says, And Elijah, the Tishabite, who was in the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord your God liveth, before whom I stand, there will not be dew or rain these years, but according to my word. Verse 2. And the word of the Lord. Everybody say the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn eastward, and hide yourself by the brook chariot that is before Jordan. And it shall be, when you get to this brook, you will drink of the brook, and I have commanded, I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Notice, he didn't have to call his relatives for assistance. God told Elijah, I want you to go to this brook called Cherith. When you get there, I've already made arrangements for you to eat. He says, I've commanded some ravens to feed you there. Well, let's see what happens. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is by Jordan, before Jordan. And the ravens brought him what? Bread. Bread and flesh in the morning. And what else? Bread. Bread and flesh in the evening. And then he drank of the brook. Watch this now. And it came to pass after a while. Now, I want you to just see something here because everybody say spirit-led decisions decisions. produce spirit-fed provision. In other words, what that means is when God directs you to do something, then he is going to provide for you. Now, a lot of times what happens when couples make decisions, provision stops. And it's probably because God didn't lead them there. Well, if you notice, God told him to go there. He went there, but something happened in verse number 6. And the ravens brought him fresh and food in the morning, verse 7. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up. You mean to tell me God's provision for him dried up? Yes, it did. Well, watch what happens. Notice he didn't go into a panic. He didn't go get a payday loan. He didn't pull out his visa card. It says, and it came to pass, the brook dried up because there had been no rain. 
And the word of the Lord came to him. Notice what was guiding his his decisions. It was the word of the Lord. It wasn't his feelings. It wasn't his emotions. It wasn't his wife badgering him. Uh-oh. I got an amen from all the people that's not here. I heard it. <laughs> I heard it. Did y'all hear it? The word of the Lord came again unto him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath that belongs to Zion, and stay there, because I have commanded. I've already made arrangements for a widow woman to sustain you. Say this one more time. Say, Spirit-led decisions. Spirit-led. Produce spirit-fed provisions. Spirit-led. If you notice, and I only started with this story because I wanted you to see that it is God's responsibility That's right. to provide for you when he leads you. In other words, where God guides, he provides. And so one of the, one of the, one of the defaults or one of the repercussions of God not guiding is God not providing. So what happens is sometimes we make decisions as a couple because it felt good. We haven't prayed about it. We haven't asked God about it. Didn't get no wisdom about it. We just felt like James Brown that morning. I feel good. I think, too, it's different on how you approach God with the decision. And I'm remembering when... Break it down. <laughs> break it down. Break it down. <laughs> I remember when Heaven came to us uh, mm-hmm. a couple of years ago. And she she really loved soccer. You know, Heaven was playing soccer from she's four years old, really excels at soccer. Um, was on the ECNL team of one of the number one, you know, things in the nation. Was going to play in Denmark for the Junior World Cup. I mean, really good. And that's what she wanted to do was to be a professional soccer player. And I remember her coming to us one day and saying, I have to give up soccer. We were like, what? What? And she said, God told me that um, I'm to sing. She hadn't sung before. We didn't even know she could sing. Right. I mean, she did little Christmas things, you know, little church things. What do you mean? You know, she didn't walk around the house singing. It's not like that when you see people have a passion for something and they're doing it. But she did walk around the house, kicking the ball in the house, kicking the ball upstairs, kicking the ball outside, sleeping with the ball. I mean, the ball was always present. But she never was roaming around the place singing. There was no passion for that. And I remember we were in the kitchen and she was telling us and we were just floored because it was so contrary to what she was doing. So what we asked her, Eben asked her, he said, how, how, how did God tell you this? Because, see, when I was a teenager, I wanted to be a singer. As y'all can tell, that dream has not. It's one of them. It's still, it's, She's still in faith. Yeah. But I would, go, <laughs> I would go to God and say, I want to sing. I want to be a singer. Because that's what I wanted to do. I wanted the fame of that or I wanted the, the notoriety of that. I went to God with that desire. Right? However, when Evan said to her, where did you get this from? She said, well, I went to God like the Apostle Paul and I said, what would you have me to do with my life? And he said, I want you to sing and I want you to build influence and I want you to build schools. That's totally different from the trajectory she thought she was going. And many times we go with our thing and we are frustrated or we're angry or we're irritated or we're impatient and we take this thing to God and we say, I'm doing this. I want you to do, um, this is bothering me, um, fix it. Versus it, waiting for the word of the Lord to come to you. You go to try and get the word. But Elijah didn't do that. 
There's sometimes that you, yes, you go to the presence of God and say, God, I need a direction. I need an answer. I need something. But there are times that God comes to you. And I find that we, I mean, well, I know for me, many times I will have that desire and I will just take it to him and say, fix it, bless it, work it out for me after the fact that I've already made a decision versus allowing the word to come and the word to guide. Making sense? Yeah, because see, some of us bully God. You can't bully God into a decision. Yeah. So how do we make decisions? Well, all decisions have an end result or, as the Bible describes, a cost. And the unfortunate thing that I see as a pastor is the short-sightedness of most couples when they're exercising decisions. And they tend to only look at the potential results of a good decision, but they don't really go and look at the other side of the decision as well. So before we talk about the principles on making decisions, I want to talk about the influences that cause us to make decisions or the influences in our decision-making process. So if you're taking notes, what I'm about to describe are the things that influence us when we make decisions. So here's the first thing that influences us. It's our feelings. Now, they all start with an F. It's our feelings. This is where we allow how we feel to guide, govern, and influence our decisions. And because our feelings or our emotions originate from our souls, decisions made from this arena tend to be senses-driven. In other words, anytime you're making a decision and that decision derives from your senses, your senses are designed to fluctuate like the weather. That's why one day you can wake up and feel good, and the next minute, don't feel good. That's why, you know, your feelings are based on circumstances. Say circumstances. I mean, if I, how many would love for me to bless you with a million dollars? I mean, if I just wrote, uh, forget about a check, if I just brought cash to you this morning. See, look, you excited already. How many would walk out of here happy? Yes. But what if somebody was waiting outside with an AK-47, to get the money and they steal the money from you. Would you still be that same happy individual? No. No. Why? Because, watch this now, your situation was governed by your circumstances. So when you make decisions from your soul, these decisions tend to be sense-driven. And any time the foundation of any decision derives from our senses, watch this, then that means faith is not present. Just write down 2 Corinthians 5, 7. It says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, faith is the key to not only biblical results, but we also use our faith to please God. And when your feelings are involved heavily in your decision making, then you operating in faith is going to be real low. Here's- you can, when you talk about feelings too, your feelings can come from like comparison or influence or seeing what others are doing. I remember we were, when I was really small and Pastor Che... We, um, I saw him and some other people jump on a truck. The truck was going down the street and they jumped on the truck and, you know, they jumped off the truck and, and, and ran and was fine. And I was smaller, but I wanted to do just what they were doing. So I jumped on the truck and the whole time he was like, sorry, don't, sorry, no, don't do it, don't do it. And when Anne and the car, the truck started going out of our driveway and out of our complex and he was like, you're going to have to jump. You're stuck now. We, you know, they're going to kidnap you. So now I just jumped, but when I jumped, I just stood still. 
And I just skidded, my whole body skidded all across that gravel and that asphalt. Because I was influenced by what others were doing and thought I could do the same thing too. And sometimes we, we look at our neighbor and we see what they have or what they don't have. And comparison can get us into our feelings and our feelings can make us jump our season. And our seasons can make us ride that asphalt. <laughs> and let me explain how feelings sound or what these feelings are. Because remember now, these are things that are opposite of faith. So we're talking about uh, someone being full of fear, pride, hurt. Anger, disappointment, resentment, greed, offense. Those are all the things that sometimes influence our decisions. Yeah, Amen. Those are feelings and we wouldn't be married because, you know, you offend me all the time. I'm just kidding. I mean, that's true. That's why a lot, of people, a lot yes. of people, they file for divorce every month. I'm leaving. I'm packing up. Well, you go then. Uh-huh. I'll help you pack. Look. If, if, if as a pastor, if I had a hundred dollars for every couple who says I'm leaving, I would be a multimillionaire. Mm. See, some of you all just need to stop making the threat and get yourself together. Amen. So here's the, here's number two. These are things that influence our decision are facts because we have some fact driven people around here. This is where we make decisions solely based on natural information, research and data. These are decisions made, or decisions made in this matter, tend to let the natural facts alone make the decision. So these are people, they ain't listening to God, they ain't asking nothing about God. You know, they're not, all they're, they are internet decision makers. Well, the doctor said this, well, the internet said this. My, my thing is, people act like the internet is like Jesus. How many know everything on the internet is not true? So there are people who use facts. Here's number three. Some people allow their friends to influence their decisions. And Girl, I wouldn't let him talk to me like that. Shoot. And, the, and these are decisions where the opinion of our friends, our co-workers, our associates impact how we make our decisions. And here's the thing. Because everybody thinks differently, this is going to impact you because, see, their past experiences are going to vary. So they're going to influence you based on where they were and what has happened in their life. Amen. And then here's number four or number five, whatever number I'm on. Uh, family influences our decision. This is a big one right here. And this is where our decisions involve immediate or close family members by taking in consideration, watch this, their perspective, which has been shaped by the way they were raised. Now, this is where generational strongholds and negative repetitive cycles step in. And watch this. And that's why our lives tend to duplicate the lives of our family members because we made decisions that they made and now our lives look like theirs. That's good. That's good. That's good. Amen. That's good. Here's the next one. Forecasting. Everybody say forecasting. These are decisions that are made, watch this, with futuristic hopes and resources in mind. And because these hopes and resources are not guaranteed to be there when we make the decision, watch this, that means every decision after that is going to be unreliable because most couples who are forecasting decision makers, they always depend on ghost money. Y'all know what ghost money is? Ghost money... Is money that is supposed to come that ain't here yet. It's like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Now you see him, now you don't. 
It's like someone, somebody's doing it right now. You were in some kind of incident or accident or whatever, and now they're deliberating to see how much the insurance company is going to pay you, and you've already decided what you're going to do with that money that you ain't got yet. Oh, I've seen people plan to get a hundred thousand dollars and then they get a hundred dollars from the insurance company. Everybody say forecast. Yeah, I was a big, I'm a big ghost money, uh, candidate. Let me tell you something about ghost money. You can't spend it. I try to spend the real money now in hopes of the ghost money coming then. That's forecasting. Right. And then he'll say, well, so when the money comes in, if it, you know, if it comes in, then I want to spend that money too. And then he goes, no, you already spent that money. You broke now. Sound like we're teaching ourselves this morning. Here's the last one. Faith. Everybody say faith. This is where decisions are made based on the acknowledgement of the need for God's direction on a matter. Faith then exercises the patience necessary for God to speak to you on what to do and or provide you with the wisdom on how to do it. That's a faith-based decision. A faith-based decision is not doing something, hoping something's going to happen. That's not faith. No, no. Faith is, watch this, stepping out on God's instructions that he gave you. And the problem with most couples, when they come into my office and we're talking and I ask them the question, have you prayed about it? 99.9% of them say, yes, I did. Yes, we did. My next question to them is, what did God say to you? And the answer I get is, we didn't hear nothing. Oh, so you went and filed bankruptcy anyway. Mm -hmm. Amen. So let's go to Luke chapter 14. Go to Luke chapter 14. Because I want to read this verse. This is the foundation of our verse on how to make good decisions. Luke chapter 14. And uh, I'm going to read verses 28. It says, for which of you intending to build a tower, sit not down first. And count the cost, whether you have sufficient to finish it. Lest perhaps after you've laid the foundation and you're not able to finish it, all that beholds begin to mock you. Basically, they're laughing at you because you couldn't finish. Verse 30, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sits not down first? Notice it said we need to sit down. Did y'all see that? And consult whether he's able to, to, to with 10,000 to meet. Uh, or come against them, or with 20,000. Or else, while the others, a great way off, sends an ambassador saying, hey, let's have some peace. So I want you to see here, because I'm going to break down now the steps that you need to make good decisions. Here's the first thing, is that you have to have a goal in mind. When it's time to make a decision, every decision has an outcome. Every decision has a destination. And this is where couples, in my opinion, lose the battle because in order for you to have an outcome, to have an idea, to have a goal, you got to get on the same page. And that's the problem. Most people, it's not about being on the same page. It's about getting my way. Boy, boy. Amen. Do you want the same thing? Are you going in the same direction? Do you have the same outcome in mind? Does your expectations match? Let me give you an example. Let's say, for instance, one of you all are getting a raise or a promotion. 
There needs to be a discussion. You need to sit down and talk about, watch this now, what you're going to do with the extra money. Hello. Because if you don't discuss it, trust me, the person who's getting the raise, they've already decided they're going to spend all that money. That's right. And the person who didn't get the raise is probably saying, oh, no, 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 we need to pay some bills or we need to save that money. So what you have to do is sit down. Everybody say sit down. You got to sit down and write down what is the goal of this of this decision. Here's number two. After you put a goal down and end result and expectation, you got to get together and sit down to discuss it. Now, I know this sounds simple, but see, most people don't do that. They make decisions on the run. He said, first, sit down. Everybody say, sit down. Sit down. down. Never make major decisions on the run. You're not making the decision. Watch this. When you sit down and do this, you're not discussing the decision to sell your side of it. You're sitting down to talk about the results of what you all want to see. This is not time to push your agenda. So you have to ask questions when you sit down. Questions like, what is the decision that we're making? Okay, well, we want to talk about what's going to happen with the extra money in your check. All right? So watch this. When is this going to happen? Okay, well, uh, I get my first check in October. All right, good. Here's another uh, question. How will this impact the relationship in the family? In other words, when this happens, how is it going to impact your family? Because, see, if you spend the money before you get it, you're going to be in the hole before you get your check. You're going to ask questions like, will this impact the financial position of our family? And this is any decision that you make. Do we need some outside wisdom and and insight? Have you prayed about it? If so, what did God say? So you want to get together and sit down. Everybody say, sit down. And see, this, this forces you now to be in front of each other's face and see and talk. Because when you're on the phone, you don't see the person's body language. When you're on the phone, there are too many different variables going on. If they're driving, they're watching the squirrel go across the street. If they're at work, they got you on mute. They're they're not paying attention because they got you on mute because their boss is talking to them. So you have to sit down together. And so here's the third thing you're going to do. You're going to count the cost. Everybody say count the cost. Now, this is done through research. Write this down. This is done through research. Calculating potential risk, which is an R, and then realistically measuring the reward. I'm going to say that again. When you count the cost, what that means is you're going to do some research. You're going to calculate the risk that may be involved. And then you're going to realistically measure the reward. In other words, research includes asking what, who, and how. You can just write that down. What, who, and how. See, like one of the things that we have in our house is if something is over a certain amount, we both need to make the decision. And see, the problem when you're making decisions as a couple, say couple, everybody's thinking different, which is fine because we're made that way. But we have to sit down and begin to ask questions like, what do you want to see happen with this? Right. Like, for example, you know, and we've shared this with you before, but... um, you know, there are times that we go out and we speak and, uh, you know, that's just part of the call on our life, but especially on my life. So whenever um, someone gives me an honorarium check, you know, I don't have a particular thing that says you have to give me this amount of money. But whatever the person blesses you with, I take that check just like this weekend. I took that check and I just put it on the kitchen counter. It's not my check. 
It's the family check. Landon, heaven, everybody knows what, what I brought in on that check. Because we have a system set up with every check. If it's a $200 check or a $5,000 check, when that check comes in, we tithe, we give offering, we bless heaven, we bless Landon because they also sacrificed for letting me go. And then we decide... And I sure sacrifice. You know what? Because I babysit it. It's called parenting, baby. You keep say, saying you babysit. babysit your it's your parenting. Whatever. Okay. So... So then... Then, you know, we have a system. We have I some did that... a lot of parenting this week. Good for you. I'm so excited. Thank you. It's just taking you 22 years. But anyway. That's okay. I'm glad we made some money. Yeah. So, so there you go. So then you put, we put some in savings. Then after all of that is done, he'll say, sweet, what do you want from it? But then I'll say, based on what you want to give me. And he'll say, well, what do you want? But it depends on where we are. Because there's sometimes he'll go, sweet, you can't get no money this month. Because of what bills we have or what may come up. And I don't fight it because... No, realistically, I that's not... Most of the time... It's not all She the, can't yeah. spend it because she spent it before she got it. Whatever. <laughs> hey, I, I bring my own. I make my stuff better. But anyway, the point is, there are times that he may say, you know, no. And then there are times that may say, hey, let's split it, whatever. You know what I mean? But the whole point is, the check doesn't come in and he doesn't know. There's no undercover secret account hiding into a bushel under my pillowcase that he has no idea because in my mind I have a getaway plan. That maybe one day if this don't work out, I may have to jet. No, my all in. I'm all in. I'm all in. So, you know, some of you need to be all in. Right. Amen. Amen. Everybody say count the cost. Count the cost. And when you're counting the cost, you have to always make God's way and his word a priority. Right. Uh, one of the bad stories in the Bible is a couple called Ananias and Sapphira. Okay. Uh, here's what I appreciate about that couple. See, what happened is they ended up dying, you know, because they said, okay, we're going to, you know, everybody was in the spirit of giving and they decided, okay, we're going to give. You know, so they had some real estate that they decided they're going to sell. And so what they did, they told the apostles, we're going to sell it for this much and give you this much. And the apostles were like, okay, fine, it belongs to you, whatever. But when they got to them, they changed the amount. But they lied. Right? They, they said, oh, we sold it for this amount, and so we're giving you for this amount. Well, the Holy Spirit got hold of that and was like, wait a minute now. Now, here, even though they both died over the lie, I just appreciate that they was in agreement. <laughs> hey, we're going down together. <laughs> we ride and die. <laughs> That's what a decision does. You determine if we're going to ride and die together. That's right. But see, some of you all are making decisions. See, I told you. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have done. No, 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 no. So let me show you now. I'm going to outline what a good decision is. One of the things you have to do is you have to acknowledge God's direction when you make a decision. Before you make it. You're going to sit down, write this Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge Him. He will direct your path. I love the end, uh, the New Living Translation says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. 
You may not want to know what God wants you to do, but the best way to have a good life is to ask God what he wants you to do. Watch this now. And exercise some patience until he tells you. Let me tell you what just happened to me recently, right? And this is, uh, this is new information. Everybody say new information. So when I went on my, before I went on my sabbatical, we had met with the city and the builder that we had at the time. And, uh, you know, they, they sat down with us and told us all the changes that need to be made. And so when I came back from my sabbatical, which was four weeks later, six weeks have gone by and we had not moved from the last time we met with the city. And so, uh, I, I'm like, wait a minute, this is somebody's fault. Somebody's head got to come off. So I fired the civil engineer. All right. But then I was like, well, wait a minute. The builder hired the civil engineer. So I, I need to, we need to get rid of the builder. So, uh, you know, I talked to my wife about it. I talked to my executive staff about it. And everybody was like, yeah, we need to change builders. And uh, I had peace about changing. But and it's okay to operate in peace because the scripture says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your heart. So I know that peace is part of the, the trans, uh, the, you know, the situation. But see, I, when I'm making major decisions, peace alone is not enough for me. What governed Elijah's decision? The word of the Lord. So I said, okay, Lord, I went to the Lord. I said, Lord, now, uh, uh, I believe it's, it's the best thing for us and our church is to change builders. I need to know what you, what you think about that. Well, a week went by. And what was interesting is the Lord was talking to me about other stuff and he would like skip that. I mean, he'd be talking to me about stuff. And, then, and so I was just politely, I would say, uh, re- remember I asked you about this? Another week go by. And the Lord is talking to me about stuff. I mean, like, I'm like, real specific stuff. I'm like, wow, that's good for a message. He's telling me this, and he just like, he just skipped over the question I asked him. I'm having a problem now because I'm used to the Lord talking to me. And for some reason, he's skipping over this information. Now, see, a lot of us, we just go and do it anyway. Well, God, this is why a spirit-led decision, everybody say a spirit-led decision. See, a spirit-led decision will will produce uh, spirit-led provision because, see, God has made us like him. God is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. So when God is looking at a situation, he's not looking at it like we do. We're looking at it from the front to the back. No, no, no. God is looking at it from the back to the front. So he already knows what obstacles are coming up. Not only does he see the obstacles, watch this, he fixes them before he moves on. So if he has put you at the top of the equation, then that says he's already worked the things together for your good. You just have to wait and be patient for him to show you. So I said, so finally I got smart. I said, okay, well, Lord, you know, however way you want to talk to me about this situation, I'm open. Because I'm used to him talking to me. I said, however way you want to talk to me, that's open. Now, three weeks done went by. I ain't fired no builder yet. I haven't made a decision yet. I get a pastor friend of mine call me from Atlanta. Hey, pastor, remember you was down here? He said, yeah. I said, yeah. He says, uh, uh, remember that loan I was trying to get? I said, yeah. He says, I already, I got it. 
And he said, not only did I get it, he, you know the builder, the, the builders that you talked to me about? This is the new builder that we wanted to change too. He said, yeah, you know those new builders you told me about? I was like, yeah. He said, boy, they didn't already started. They didn't already gutted out my building. They said, I won't be in my building in 90 days. And the Lord says, there's your confirmation right there, son. There it is right there. See, I had to wait. They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. You shouldn't be weaker waiting on God. You should be stronger waiting on God. The reason you are weaker is because your emotions are all in it. Sometimes you have to wait. And when he did, when the, when the guy was, because normally he calls me and a lot of these guys call me with a problem and I, I fix it for them. You know, they, what about this, what about this? Well, he didn't call me with no problem. He was just, it's like he didn't have no reason to call me. I was like, wow, this is interesting. And then when he told me what he told me, I knew that was it. Because see, the builder that he, he used is the builder I told him about, which is the builder that I wanted to change too. So watch this. How do you know it's, if it's a God decision? Because it should work out at the end. So what it took this builder three months, Pastor Jay, was it three months? Three to four months to do. Our new civil engineer did it in three weeks. Was that a profitable decision? And then to put icing on the cake or the cherry on top before I made, before I furred them, before I did that, I called my pastor. That's right. I said, hey, here's the situation. Tell me how to do this. And he told me how to do it. And everything my pastor tells me, I do. Exactly. See, I ain't like some of y'all. y'all got a, some of y'all got an a la carte spirit. <laughs> well, Pastor Ed said do this. Uh, I ain't doing that part. I, I, he, he, said, he said, well, uh, you know, y'all don't need to divorce right now. But if she still act, keep acting like that, come back and see me. Well, uh, he said don't divorce right now, but he but didn't he didn't either. say don't separate though. So I'm leaving. So you can't have no a la carte spirit. I mean, if you're going to get some wisdom, get some wisdom. That's right. And see, let me tell you something about God. And I, I know we, we need to stop right here. I'm going to tell you something about God. God would not give you a shepherd that couldn't shepherd your life. Yeah. He wouldn't give you a shepherd. The Bible says he will give you a shepherd after his own heart. In other words, I have some solutions for you. You just got to ask. And obey. And obey. Because I'm telling you, that's the thing. I mean, many a time you give me instruction, I don't necessarily obey all the instructions. And it never really works out. Right? But you got a good heart, babe. Yeah, I do have a good heart because, I mean, it's true. (laughs) but i mean i've learned i've learned that i am not the wisest person around myself well let me tell you what's smart about my wife see most first ladies or whatever you want to call them don't get this see she understands that even though she's married to me i'm still her pastor right yeah so so sometimes she has to talk to me like okay Pastorally, yes. how would how do you want me to handle this? Right. You know, and see, some sometimes we we don't want to hear what the pastor got to say. I, 
Oh man, because <laughs> the thing is, the benefit I get is because I do live with the person, so you get to know how they think. And I don't know all the time how he thinks because my brain doesn't function like that. But I always know that by the time I come, there is a, percent, a percentage of what I don't want to hear that's coming. You know, so I have to already be ready to, to submit to it because it don't make sense I waste his time. Right. See, I see it as wasting his time when people come in and have appointments with him and they go out and do exactly the opposite. Or For me, I say don't meet with them again. Until they're desperate enough to obey what you're saying because your time, there are people all over this country that beg for your time. There are people in big influential places that beg for your time. And you make your time available for us as your congregation and we come over and over on the same thing and you're having to give the same instruction. To me, it's disrespectful of your time. We don't honor the wisdom that you have. We don't honor the insight and the word of knowledge and the gifts of the spirit that manifest in your, in your thing. And we're coming up with the same problem over and over when it's really an obedience thing on our life. And I think for us, we could get so much ahead. I learned it as a wife, but as a congregation member as well, that if I just obey the first time, even if God is so good that even if pastor gave me wisdom and 95% of it was good and 5% of it was, was not good. That God would cover me because of my uh, submission to the authority in my life. Just like he covered Sarah to the authority of Abraham in her life. Abraham won right, but he was still the father of all nations. He was still the person that God had chosen. And I find that in our marriages, we're not in agreement on that principle. We're not in agreement that... There is a, there is a word of God and sometimes when you're at a crossroads, you have to get wisdom, but you have to decide we're going to obey the wisdom. And the wisdom normally is not necessarily what you want because if what you wanted to do, you'd have done it without seeking wisdom. Well, here's the bad part. One of the people in the relationship want to do it and the other person don't. Right. Now let me just say, here's the last principle in making a good decision. Do not move forward unless both people are in agreement with the decision. They're in agreement with the potential risk, and they're in agreement with the outcome, whether it's negative or positive. But, baby, can you, before, I know we're going over, but can you define, remember, talk to them. I'm about, here it is right here. Well, no, not that part there. About supporting agreement? Yes, how you know? I'm saying it's right here. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. Just, just. I feel you. One to twin powers. Remember, support and agreement are different. Agreement is where each person believes that the decision that's being made is the best one. Yes. Watch this. And they are willing to live with the consequences. Yes. Being in support means that you love the person enough to support the decision, Hello. but the decision is not one that you would make. Slow it down. Okay. If somebody's wanting to make, let's say one person wants to file bankruptcy and the other person don't. And the other person who don't is saying, well, I mean, if you really feel that's the right thing, you really feel that's what you want to do, okay, well, that's fine. Well, see, some of y'all would define that as agreement. That's not agreement. That's support. Because support. support says that the other person is okay. They love you enough to let you do it, but they would not make the decision themselves. That's right. So if they are not willing to make the decision themselves and agree with it, then you're not in agreement. You're in support. And that's why a lot of people's decisions don't make. Because the Bible says, can two walk together unless they be in agreement? Not if two walk together unless they're in support. 
Right. Support is just like cheering the person on or loving the right. person to do it. But, you know, agreement gets to a whole point where you are making the decision as well. So when you're making the decision as well, it's the best of your wisdom. Right. And it's so the best. The so you can't regret. There's no regret. When the consequences come, then if you were in agreement, you go, okay, babe, what are we going to do? Let's work this thing out. Right. We in this together. We riding and dying. That's if you're in agreement. You'll know when you're in support because the other person will be like, well, see, I didn't, I don't think we should have done that anyway. Yeah, they they rolled their eyes. I don't know, you know, I didn't have a good feeling about it. And I was trying to tell you and Uh everything. But I wanted to respect your authority as a priest of our house. Mm -hmm. Whatever. You over there going in your mind going, "Mm -hmm, it's going to fail anyway. But but he can't say I didn't, he can't say I didn't support him. Can't say that or can't, didn't say that, can't, didn't support her because you're trying to avoid conflict. That's the thing. You're trying to avoid conflict. I'm just tired of it. I don't want to deal with this. But you know, you got, you got to get beyond the fear of conflict because the unity and agreement, the Bible says, do everything you can, everything you can to preserve the bond of unity and peace. And that is most important. You can still be different and yet come into agreement. You don't have to be the exact same. We talk it out, we walk it out. You know, I have an idea a minute and I'll come to him with an idea a minute and he'll come with me with 10 reasons why the idea not going to work. But it's not necessarily he's down in the idea. It's your idea has holes, your idea has holes, your idea has holes. And so now I've learned to think it all the way through. So when I come to him and, you know, then I get support for time in need. You know what I mean? I get agreement. So let's just, can y'all give me two more minutes? So let's walk out a real decision in our life. Okay, let's just, okay, this is real. This is hot off the press. We did not rehearse this. Okay, so y'all about, to, we don't, I don't know how she gonna react. And, and she don't know how I'm gonna react. But I'm about to bring up a real situation here. Okay, so she came home last night. They gave her a generous check. I'm gonna tell you how much it was. $3,000. She puts the check on the counter. She says, babe, they gave me $3,000. The check is still on the counter right now. Correct. So we haven't talked about what we're going to do with it. So let's just walk them through. What are we going to do with that $3,000? Okay. Well, first we're going to tithe. We're going to tithe. We're going to give $300. How much is the offering we're going to be? We give, um, also we give a 5% of offering. 5%. So, uh, whatever that is. That that's, should be 150. That's, that's half. So that's 150 bucks. That's, that's our tithing offering. It's gone. Mm-hmm. So that's 450. So what we have left, Sam. Somebody calculate this for me. 2640. 2340, 2540, 2550, 2550, 2550. Oh, no, we need to get these monies right. 2550, right? So, 2550. <clears throat> so, what's next? Okay, so then we're going to um, take 10% so next... and divide it between heaven and London. Okay, so, so that's minus 300. So, about so, 300, so they get $150 a piece. Right. All right, so they got 300. So, what's left? So then my, my question no, is... No, no, no. So when we get... Right, 22... Right, 2250. Then I say, okay, wait. Then I say, well, how much of that you want to keep? Then I say, but it depends on what we have to do. What do you want to do with it? Well, just tell me how much you want to keep, and I'll tell you what we're going to do. But I don't really... Well, here's the thing, though. We haven't paid for heavens um, adding her thing yet. I need to pay $450 for her senior ad, and I need to buy her senior pictures. So I need about $500 more for... 
heaven's things. Okay, so, so how much you want, babe? See how we do this? this well, because, I ask well, the same question over and over. It depends. No, 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 no. Because it, it no. doesn't depend. It does depend. Because, no, because if you say a number that's out the range, then I'm going to tell you. I know, but I've, I'm trying to think of it because all this other stuff is coming up that's not there yet. That you don't know about. <laughs> See why we're sitting down because, talking right now? Because, because what you ha- find out extra stuff. Because, because what happened is that, you know, Landon wanted to do art and Lego Club and the art we had to pay for the year. So I already paid for that this Friday. Um, so that was like 350 that you don't know that came out yet. Okay, so. <laughs> I'm getting confused up here. <laughs> so, in other words. How much we got left? 2250. <laughs> no, the 22. Well, we had 2250. 2250. But there is about another hidden. Seven hundred dollars, okay, eight hundred dollars. You're gonna get, you're gonna get seven hundred dollars. That's what you're no, gonna no, get. No, 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 no. Seven hundred dollars for me or for heaven stuff? I don't want my money for heaven stuff. No, no, no. Seven hundred is for you. Oh, okay, all right, that's worth. So how much is that? Subtract that. How much? Fifteen fifty. All right, that's fine. Four hundred can go to heaven stuff, mm. and we got eleven hundred dollars for the house. Sure. Sure. Now, you know how in poker you got a guy who's the house? I'm that man. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, did y'all, did y'all see that? Okay, we, that's, that was live. I know, you know, some of y'all probably don't even care, but that's fine. This, that was a real scenario. That's how we really do it. We're not acting or faking or nothing like that. She's trying to figure out how to get some more. <laughs> I'm it's like, gone now. I'm trying to think like... It is gone. What did I bring You cannot on? change the number. See, once you give Evan Connor a number, it's locked in. But Evan Connor gave me... 1100 I know that's what but the you house... But you see that though? It's supposed to get. Let me tell you though. <laughs> but Evan Connor gave me a number because I was indecisive on my number. So you snooze, you lose, right? right. Okay, but so it went anyway. We got some vows that I want us to, to repeat. Here's why. A lot of you all have had struggles since last survivor. <laughs> and you need, to, you need to go back and renew your vows. So every year, one of our members, Sly, brought this up. And I thought it was a great idea. Some of you all maybe were separated. We've had couples that separated for a couple of years and have come back together now. So it's time to renew our vows. So, uh, Dennis, if you get my, my three-ring binder out of there, because I can't open this for some reason. Stand up to your feet. I want you to... Look at your spouse. Hold their hand. If your spouse is not here. You know, while pastor is getting that, I want to give you a, a homework assignment um, on agreement. When you go home for this week, I want you to decide in your mind what should your marriage look like. Each person has an image or an idea of what their marriage should look like. Most times it's not going to be the same idea. And so when you don't have the same goal, you don't know when you're getting there. So you have to get both people's ideas, both people's perspective and create a new idea. This is what our joint idea is going to be, which takes a little bit of theirs, a little bit of yours and makes it a 10. So our marriage at a 10 looks like this. And that's now what you're going to be working towards because now you have a guide and a goal towards that you're Can going I point to out something on, on that little exercise we did, just did? Let me, I'm going to point something out to you. If you notice what we decided to spend money on were not basic bills. 
Right. Because extra money shouldn't pay your bills. You should already have a budget. See, that's already said. The extra, hey, said, said. The extra money. See, that's how I got bling. I got bling because we take extra money. When you start making ghost money part of your normal bills, your bills are going to be, it's going to be like this. So everything that we just decided to spend money on, that was all extra stuff. Chess club, whatever else club you talking about, the Mickey Mouse club. Lego, Lego. Okay, so men, we're going to go first. I want you to look at your wife. And I want you to repeat after me. Say, I declare before God and these witnesses that I will strive every day to love you as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. By an act of my will and with God's help, I let go, release and forgive any wrong done by you towards me. I will forget those things which are behind and I will strive to be the man of God, leader and husband that God has designed me to be. Forgive me for any past hurts, negative words, or bad deeds I have shown towards you. I choose today to start over and let the past be the past. With God's help, I will always support you, provide for you, and treat you as the weaker vessel, which means to handle you in a sensitive, gentle, and delicate way. I promise to be faithful, loyal, and committed to God first, then to you, and to that, I make my pledge. All right, women, here we go. You want me to do it? I declare before God and these witnesses that I will strive every day to love, respect, and honor you. By an act of my will and with God's help, I let go, release, and forgive any wrong done by you towards me. I will forget those things which are behind and will strive to be the woman of God, help meet, wife, and mother God has designed me to be. Forgive me for any past hurts, negative words, or bad deeds I have shown towards you. I choose today to start over and let the past be the past. With God's help, I will always support you, be submitted to you as you are to Christ. I promise to be faithful, loyal, and committed to God first, and then to you. And to that, I make my pledge. Father, thank you for these couples. Holy Spirit, do what we couldn't do. And I pray that 
Your word says whom God has joined together, let no one pull apart. I pray that you will continue to be the spiritual superglue in their lives. And I thank you that from this day forward, their marriage will be better. Their family will be, get, be better. Their children will be better. And generations to come will be better because of what they've done today. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. And you may smack your bride. Oh, no, like that, not...